Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have my friend Keisha Fitzgerald joining us. Keisha is first and foremost a life enthusiast. Hello, can you tell we're going to be fast friends? Next, she's a hugger, an extroverted girl's girl, close talker, and on a mission to impact women in a massive way. And guess what? She helps them live lives they effing love by taking purpose-driven action to get to where they want to go. Yeah, I said that. Guys, I could go on with Keisha all day long. We totally jived and we obviously have a similar heart. She is the chart-topping host of the Empower Her podcast and man, again, we just jived. So I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Hey, if you love it, we screenshot it and tag Keisha and I in your story so we can see those of you who are listening and loving it. And I'm going to be honest, it also helps spread the word. So Screenshot this episode, tag Keisha and I, because we want to know who's listening and who's loving it. Okay, let's get to it. Let's dive in. Hey, Keisha. Hey, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so pumped to have you on. I'm so glad we could coordinate our times and make it work. I have been a longtime listener of your podcast. I was just telling you, even though I can listen to your intro all day long, I might still accidentally say Kasha. So forgive me. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Can you start by introducing yourself to the Radiant Tribe? Tell us about you, your story, how you got to where you are, all the things. Yes, I would love to do that. So... My story is kind of crazy because I would have never predicted that I would end up where I'm at now, which I think is so powerful in itself because sometimes we're in the midst of making decisions and we're, and we're worrying about what's next when in reality, sometimes the things along the way make us the person that we need to be to position ourselves to be where we end up, which is really great. So my background is actually in IT project management, oh. which is totally different than what I do now. Um, I went to college, got the job and I started working my way up the corporate ladder, but I really had this gut feeling that there was something more for me, but I didn't know what more was. And it was driving me crazy because everything on paper made a lot of sense where, you know, I had this great boss. I had great coworkers. I actually had great income. I wasn't in one of those situations where I was, you know, like I hated the corporate world or I hated my career path. I was actually really happy. But I could not shake this like gut feeling in me that was like, there's something more for you. This is not it. And um, I would randomly like break down into just like this ugly cry, like the kind where like snot and your mascara just like get all in your mouth type of ugly cry tears. (laughs) And I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I not just happy with this? Like so many of my girlfriends are happy with their careers and like, what is it about this? And because... I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do next. I just decided to work on something that had been bothering me at the time. Because I was working as an IT project manager, I was overseeing a team that was in China while I was living in Seattle. And so there was a crazy time difference and um, I was working crazy hours. So my health and fitness goals had got put on the back burner. So I stumbled upon this program that, I mean, I'm sure every listener has heard of P90X. 
Yeah. And I stumbled upon this program watching an infomercial. And I was like, that program looks really freaking hard. So I'm going to do this fitness program in my garage. And maybe me becoming more confident in myself and working on my health and fitness goals might help me figure out what my next thing is. And um, t- turns out I ended up falling in love with the products, which are made by a company called Beachbody. Decided to eventually partner with them to build a side business coaching other women to use those products and have their own health and fitness transformations. And then I fell in love with the business opportunity that Beachbody had as a whole. So what was crazy about that is I didn't go into it thinking that it would turn into anything, um, but my gut was like, just go for it. Like, what do you have to lose? And I built that business on the side. My boyfriend of 10 years in Icena moved from Seattle to New York City when he got into NYU Dental School. And then I got the ultimate test where I was building this fun business on the side, partnering with Beachbody, and I was really loving it. It was giving me a lot of the fulfillment that I was looking for, um, but it wasn't a full-time income. And he was going to be a full-time dental school school student, so I was going to be financially supporting both of us. Got a job at Google, which was my dream company. Uh, loved working there. I loved my coworkers. I loved everything about it, but I still was building this side business. And it kind of hit me that I was so obsessed with it. I had to really give it a go. So I cranked the volume up and ended up building that into a six figure business on the side while I was working a full-time job. So got really obsessed with that. Of course, there's been lots of ups and downs along the way. Uh, we, I ended up leaving the corporate world altogether in April of 2015, not because I hated it, not because I had bad managers, but simply because of opportunity cost. I thought, what would happen if I went for it rather than staying comfy? Because maybe the listener hearing this is, you know that comfy is only so comfy until it's uncomfortable because you want more and you can't shake that feeling. So For me, I ended up leaving the corporate world in April of 2015, and I've had my business partnering with Beachbody ever since then. We moved from New York to San Diego about nine months ago after my boyfriend graduated. I started a podcast six months ago, and now I'm kind of dancing this dance of figuring out what else I want to do in addition and trying to get very um, grateful for where I'm at now, but remaining really excited and eager and hungry for what's to come next. So that's kind of my current state. Girl. Okay. I have like 14 questions just from that alone. But one thing you just said that comfy is only so comfy until you're so uncomfortable that, you know, you need to take the leap. So one thing I love talking about here is kind of building your business alongside your day job. Um, and I, I've done that, but I did that for over a year before I took the leap. Can you kind of tell us about why you decided to do that? Because I think sometimes women feel guilty or shamed for not making the leap sooner or like, oh man, they, they just did it. Now they have all this time to focus on their business or my favorite to kind of talk about lately is like we really I, idolize this idea of sipping a pina colada on the beach from a laptop and that's not really always the case of working for yourself. And honestly, working for yourself can provide cash flow or working a day job while building your business can provide cash flow to build it and to build it well. Can you kind of share why you stayed and why you built it simultaneously and then when it came to be the time to make the leap to do this full time? Absolutely. So I completely agree with you on this, Kelsey, because I I actually am a huge proponent of people having both 
Because here's the thing that when I first started my side business, I'll answer this question in in a different angle where when I first started the side business, I was working in an IT project management field as a really high energy um, young female. I was working with males that were predominantly 20 plus years older than me, and I had to be a lot more buttoned up. So part of the reason that I wanted to build a business on the side wasn't just the cash flow and the opportunity to build a business, but it was because it was something that I could be really me in and learn how to be the most like Keisha version of Keisha because it was a creative outlet that gave me a lot more fulfillment. So I think sometimes we get so focused on what could come from that thing that we're building. We get so focused on when can I leave this job to do this thing full time. And we forget that there's so much value in falling in love with the process and who you're becoming in pursuit of that goal along the way. So I was winning at this side business long before I was making six figures with it because I was just getting better at being myself and doing something that was outside my comfort zone and learning and growing so much as a person. So I was winning straight out the gates is how I think about it. And I was I was honoring that gut feeling that felt like I was called to do something more. So to the girl who's thinking about starting something There's other reasons besides just turning it into something full-time that are really beneficial for you as an individual. And then I'm a huge proponent, especially of 20 and 30-something-year-olds, that we don't know what's coming next. We don't know what curveballs are coming in our lives. We can never possibly predict them. So it's really smart to have multiple streams of income. And I'm a huge advocate of helping women build side hustles because of that exact point of the person that you could become, the skill set that you can learn that's transferable to other things, And also just having other income um, just so that you have more options and more choices. And so that's one part of it. And then the part of when I decided that I was ready to leave was really down to the opportunity cost that it got so big that I didn't have enough hours in the day. And I couldn't outsource the things that I needed to outsource. So it was kind of like I had to stay in this role Um, so that I could support, like I made a very educated decision. A lot of times people say like jump and then like the net will appear. I personally, (laughs) I was really not, I mean, I live in Southern California. So like I hear like, wait until like the moon's in retrograde and then like do stuff. I'm like, I I don't believe in that personally, but to each their own, you do you boo, whatever works for you. But for me, I had to make a very educated decision. And like sound decision because it wasn't just about me and my finances. I was supporting another person, my boyfriend who was in dental school. So I waited until I had enough money saved that I could support us for a few months um, if I made zero income and if the whole thing completely tanked. It didn't. It kept growing because I had more time to devote to it. Not because I was sipping pina coladas on the beach, but because (laughs) I was busting my butt. Um, it grew, it grew from there and it continued to grow and still has year over year. I love that. And I love even, you know, again, we hear all the time, you know, leap and the net will appear. And I, I'm just not cut out for that. So I, I'm with you. You know, I, I, I in the, am in the same vein or have kind of a similar trajectory in the sense of I built my business while my husband was in school. And so it's not been like, oh, I can just fall back on that. No biggie. I actually had to run a profitable business because our life, our mortgage depended on that. And so I'm a big fan of not 
succumbing to the pressure of like, you have to launch your business before it's ready or to go out on your own and give it full-time attention when it's just, it might grow better without that pressure. And then there will come a time when it, it is time and you do have a nest egg, kind of like your story where it's just the perfect timing to focus on it. It's in alignment. You have room and space to breathe and margin if there's a slow month. And so I love everything you're saying. So, okay. So you go out on your own, you take the leap, you have this next egg and kind of a few months saved up. What was next? How did you continue? Did you primarily build your business through your Beachbody team? I would just love to hear more. Yeah. So what I really continued to focus on was the the behaviors that I did when I was doing this part-time. I just had more time to do more of it. And I think what happens that's really interesting for the woman that's kind of in that transition stage of maybe moving from something that's on the side to wanting to make it into a business or maybe even in that transition of having an idea and not knowing how to execute on it, I found the simple things that I could do consistently that I could build confidence in. And that really helped me grow as a person where when I showed up in my business and I did like the basic things that I would do to build it on the side, I knew that I knew how to do those basics that I could just crank up the volume on it. And I didn't let myself get caught up in the analysis paralysis of all of the options. I just focused on, okay, let me do what I need to get done. And then let me increase the volume. And then as soon as I can outsource something that doesn't need me doing it, I'm going to do that. And so that's the biggest advice that I would give to a new entrepreneur or someone that's building a business on the side is to Number one, start small and build it into your daily, like your daily habits, because so often what holds us back is confidence. And when you can show up and get those wins every single day, they're like deposits in your confidence bucket, which can help you get less um, worried about what other people think about you, get less caught up in comparison, get up in your head about what's next, because you're just focused on giving yourself those small wins. And then what I did when I did transition to this being full-time Like I said, I cranked up the volume on the income producing activities and I outsourced the stuff that didn't need my attention so that I could show up in a really authentic way with the type of energy that I wanted to bring. And I've applied that logic as it grew year over year to just outsourcing what I didn't need to be doing because it drained my energy. So I'm very conscious that as an entrepreneur, my number one job is to manage my own energy. So that's been huge for me. Oh, that is so good. So one thing I'd love to talk about, can you share with us kind of how you've combated the stigma of in Beachbody or MLMs? Because I love my MLM girls. I, you know, especially when I ran my Instagram agency, about a third of my clients were specifically Beachbody. So I'm a big fan. And if I do need a health product or, you know, maybe it's a different company, maybe it's a skincare product, I would love to buy it from a friend who's selling it and support their business. Can you share about that? Because I think it's a conversation that's worth having. And I've heard a lot of companies say like, you know, this is a model that works because you're a, people want freedom. People want, you know, especially moms. I've heard people say moms are like the secret weapon of, you know, the kind of upcoming era of sales uh, because they have the freedom to maybe be with their child or maybe you're not a mom yet and you just want your freedom in general, but you can build your business and build quite a thriving business. So I would love for you to share. Yeah, I love that. This is one of my favorite questions because 
I think it's really powerful to acknowledge that there is a stigma. And part of it is because there's a low barrier of entry. It doesn't like anyone can do it. So you don't necessarily have to approach it with the lens of building relationships, even though that's how I think it should be done. Some people can come into this with the stigma of like, oh, this is going to be like a get rich quick thing. I'm just going to like spam everyone. And like that, those people that come into it with that angle are the people that create more of the stigma and negativity around it. But the people that win for the long haul with a business structured through network marketing are the people that focus on building a personal brand because people don't buy what you're selling. They buy you and your stories about what you're selling and the way that it can impact them. So to the network marketers and to, um, yeah, to the network marketers that are listening, I think the most powerful thing that you can do is acknowledge that there is a stigma and not pretend like there isn't or pretend like you didn't maybe feel that way at first. Cause I know for me, I thought like, I was like, what, this is like a pyramid scheme. Like, I don't understand like how you can make a full-time income, like selling Beachbody, like fitness pro- products is like, do they just sell like a bunch of P90Xs from their garage? Like I didn't understand it. So now that I'm in it and I've built a large business with Beachbody, I still acknowledge the girl that I was five and a half years ago because that's the girl that I'm talking to. And I don't pretend like now that I'm in it that she's wrong. And I think where network marketers add to the stigma is they create insider jargon that they use um, and outsiders don't understand it. So it seems like a clicky, culty thing. And so we have to be really cautious of that versus you can love products and you can love this business and you can love this opportunity, but how can you use language that can connect with your target market rather than simply um, making them feel like they're an outsider? Because we don't want people to feel like that in general, as whether you're in network marketing, whether you have a business or not. But I think um, it adds to the problem if we use that type of language. So I guess to break that into tips, because I like tangible things, is number one, just not forgetting where you started. If you were nervous to sign up, you know, for your network marketing opportunity, if you felt like, oh, is this actually a real thing? Like these people are weird. Stop like trying to pretend like you didn't feel that way at first. Acknowledge that you (laughs) had that, right? Because most people do. Like, I mean, I've built a, I have almost 4,000 people on my team. And so it's like, I know how many of them felt the same way. So if you acknowledge it, it just creates this trust with your audience that helps build credibility. And if you also focus on the fact that you're not just a network marketer, I'm not just a beach body coach, I'm Keisha. And that's one thing that I'm doing. So what I'm very conscious about even putting out content on social media is talking about different silos of my life that are important to me because that builds connective tissue with my audience. And I don't want to talk about it all day long. Right. So totally. I don't know if that's kind of helpful in terms of tips what you're looking for, but I, I do acknowledge the stigma. I actually just did a post recently on social media about that. (laughs) I love that you acknowledged it because I think, and, and I obviously I led into you acknowledging it, but I love that you're willing to talk about it because it's so common. And I think it doesn't, you know, it doesn't serve anyone to not talk about it and to act like it's not happening. And I'd love to shed light on it because I have a lot of friends who have built very, very significant business businesses through network marketing. And so I'm a fan. I love Beachbody. Um, have a lot of familiarity with Beachbody in general, but I love my girlfriends who are selling through one of these platforms. So 
follow-up question, something you just said that I loved was like, but I think it's applicable for any kind of business is people want to buy from someone they feel connected to, not just sales, 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 people, the differentiator, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. There's someone with a service close enough to mine, but it's my essence that sets me apart. And so, and that's why someone might want to work with me. I think I've, I've shared this before, but I've literally had someone on a call with me, read my competitor's word. And, and I use the term competitor loosely, but that person was, had a much bigger platform than me and a much more widely recognized program. They read her post word for word, but then said, but I connect with you. And it's all about connection. That program had ballin' features. It wasn't the program. It was our essence. It was that there's truly enough room for someone to sign up for that program and that program to have a full roster and that leader or that coach to be totally successful and room for me. And we're going to attract people who are attracted to our essence and our brand personality. So can you kind of shed more light on that? Yes, that's so good. And, and it's funny because it just makes me think of like comparison as a whole being something that holds us back entirely because it's so easy in a social media world to look at what other people are doing and look at their, you know, carefully curated content and compare it to your, you know, behind the scenes, messy, but no bra, like, I don't know, like baby poop. On your leg. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't have any baby poop on my leg. I don't have a baby, but you know, <laughs> it's so easy to compare our behind the scenes to other people's whatever that they're putting out there. So it just makes me think about how much we can use other people's journey to serve us because I personally don't believe I I'm kind of taking a little tangent here. So hopefully this will make sense. But in within what you just said of like looking at other people's programs, it's like, I look at other people that are doing what I'm doing and they are proof that it's possible. They are proof that the market needs it. They are proof that people are receptive to it. So as long as you do it your way, you are going to be so for some people and you're not going to be for other people. And when you know what you want and why you're doing something, you're less worried about comparing yourself to other people and how they're doing it because you're kind of staying in your own lane. And I'm not someone who's like, you know, don't compare like, you know, blinders on, like screw everyone else. Like that's just not even my personality at all. But instead I look at other people that are further along than me or have maybe had more success or maybe they're doing something that I want to do. Like one day I'd love to write a book. I'd love to speak, you know, on massive stages and do keynotes and things of that sort. And when I look at someone who's doing that, instead of saying like, oh, she got lucky or, oh, like good for her. I could never do that. Or she has something that I don't. I look at her and I'm like, number one, proof that it's possible. Number two, she's probably failed more than me because it takes a lot of failure to get feedback, to learn and grow to the person that can handle being on that stage or writing that book or creating that course or doing that other thing. So use it with a healthy frame of reference and using other people's experience as evidence that it can be done. And then just showing up as you, because like we said, people don't care what you're selling. They care why it matters, why it matters, not just to you, but to them. How can this serve them? And by you sharing your story as well as other people's stories, that's what's going to connect people with you more than they will with the other person who's selling a similar product. You know? Woo! Girl, that was a mic drop. <laughs> that was a little bit of a tangent, but you just made me that, think of comparison in general. That was so good because I think that's so true. Um, 
I don't want to fail as many times as it took for Oprah to make it to where she is or Marie Forleo or Ellen. Those are my, my three that I'm always looking at. You know, um, I, I don't want to live the painful parts, but that's kind of part of the job. And it also, when we think about it that way, it gives us compassion and that compassion totally eliminates you know, that comparison, when you realize, you know, it's not like I'm often really comparing myself to Oprah because I just don't even, <laughs> I'm often more comparing something myself to someone who's a young author who just released their book a year ahead of me or who has that um, seven-figure mastermind, um, something like that. Um, but I I forget to have that compassion so often of, oh, they've been through the ringer to get to where they are. And that is, is something I can learn from versus letting comparison steal my joy. Um, and, and I know too that every time I'm around, I, you know, I'll often run into the same people I've compared myself to maybe at an event or a retreat or something. And it's like, oh, they're a human. It's, it's why are we doing this? Why are we letting comparison really steal our joy and keep us isolated and on the sidelines? And so I just love everything you had to say. Oh my gosh. I could talk to you all day long. Okay. So next question. What are some times in your career where you've pivoted? I know we talked about this briefly before we hopped on our um, recording, but I just love sharing about those moments where you pivoted or where something fell apart and you thought, oh my God, I don't even know which way is up anymore. Um, and, and how did that impact, you know, the next season you stepped into or the next phase of your business? Yeah. Ooh, I love this so much because I think it's a constant pivot and I wasn't really expecting like the person that I was when I first started my business is a drastically different person than I am now. And it, it makes me think of when people are like, Oh, like you've changed. It's like, duh, of course I've changed. I like, I'm working so freaking hard. Like I hope I'm changing. Um, and I think sometimes when we, we have an idea or we start a job, we forget that we're going to be an evolving person. So it's extremely normal in our society with so many options and so many ways that we can um, do different things like remotely even and all of the different opportunities. Like think about how many opportunities we have compared to our grandparents, like, or even our parents. It's like unreal. So I think sometimes we beat ourselves up when we change our perspective. Like, oh, I thought this was going to be my thing. But There's never going to be one thing. I just don't believe that anyone shows up on this planet and has one thing that they're going to do. And what's been interesting for me, even with my, my journey with Beachbody is I obviously didn't expect that I was going to build business with this. It was kind of accidental. Um, so I stumbled into that and very much so pivoted from the it corporate world, but even within what I've done, I'm constantly pivoting of like, who is it that I want to help? And who is that girl? And it's often a girl that's like maybe a couple steps behind me that I feel like I can hold her hand and show her the path. And so sometimes the struggles that we're going through, like for example, when I started my podcast and I decided I wanted to start building more of a personal brand and kind of figure out what's next, I'm in this limbo stage of like, what do I actually want to do? And I'm trying to be very intentional about journaling and listening to myself and really thinking like, what is it that I want next? without letting that feeling be overwhelming. So if you're in that season right now, girl listening to this, I'm with you. And I'll tell you what I'm doing to kind of dance that dance is I'm reminding myself that I'm an evolving person. So I'm constantly going to change and it would be crazy if I didn't, but I'm saying yes 
to things that feel like a heck yes, let's go. And I'm saying no to more things that feel like they're obligations or duties so that I can be open-minded to other things that could feel exciting. So I have the bandwidth to pursue those things. So if you're in the stage where you're feeling this like stirring in your belly of wanting something else, I would encourage you to get outside of your comfort zone and do something that's not the same pattern. If you're going to the same places and you're eating at the same restaurants and you're taking the same commute to work and you're talking to the same people and you're going out with the same people every weekend, you should expect that you're probably going to feel the same. So exposing yourself to different opportunities that put you outside of your comfort zone can help you kind of figure out what is next and being comfortable with knowing that life is going to be a constant pivot. And by attending an event um, that was local here in San Diego, I was sitting in the audience and I was like feeling this like stir. And all of a sudden this podcast panel came on and I was like, wait, I need to start a podcast. Like, what am I doing? So I got accountability by publicly talking about it before I was ready. And I took some action within 24 hours. So, wow. uh, Yeah. I'm not really like a really big, if I sit in that analysis stage for too long, I get all up in my head. And so when you feel the pivot, I think you just have to honor that gut feeling because it's in you for a reason. Totally. What would you say to someone who maybe has a little harder of a time pulling the trigger? Yes. Um, I would say you're normal. I'm kind of an alien. (laughs) I would say most people have a harder time pulling the trigger. But I think sometimes we think about the big picture and two things. Actually, I'd love to share two things that have been helpful for me with this. One is taking a small action to get a confidence deposit within 24 hours of the idea. You're not going to run the marathon tomorrow just because you decided you want to run a marathon. You're not going to publish the book tomorrow just because you decided you wanted to do a book. But what can you do in 24 hours? That's one tiny thing to move you forward. Can you tell your husband that you want to run a marathon and look up a marathon online and pick it? Yes, absolutely. You can't run it tomorrow, but you can pick it and you can do that within 24 hours. Can you tell someone that's important to you or ask for feedback on something that you're looking to do within 24 hours to get external accountability for your goal? Yes, absolutely. And the thing that happens if you do it within 24 hours is you get that tiny little deposit that can help you then move forward. So maybe you don't want to start a podcast and post on social media that you're starting a podcast before you have a mic or a name like I did. Um, but I, I think it's powerful to just do something quickly to get that deposit, right? Yeah, totally. I, girl, I'm with you. I am quick to pull the trigger a lot of the time now, but I think in the past I waited and I waited and I waited and I wanted things to be just right. And I wanted the formulas of my finances, my business. I wanted to have the perfect plan. And now I kind of have a mantra of like release it into the world and tweak it and refine it as you go. Yes. <laughs> so, I love that. Oh my gosh. Keisha, it has been so fun talking to you. I could talk to you all day long. Where can people find you? Can you tell them a little bit about your podcast, what you're talking about over there? Absolutely. I love this. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I could literally just chat with you for hours and hours. So (laughs) um, my favorite social media platform is Instagram. I love Instagram stories and I love just hanging out over there. So it's at Keisha Fitzgerald, K-A-C-I-A. And then my podcast is called the Empower Her Podcast, and it's about helping women take purpose-driven action. So it's very 
high energy, really goofy, but it's also very tangible and to the point. So I do solo episodes as well as interviews every week. So Monday and Thursday, and I've been doing it for about six months now and I'm loving it. So come find that. (laughs) Girl, it has been such a joy to have you on. I could talk to you all day long. You'll have to come back. Yes. Love it. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. It's not every day you have to replace a water heater, more like every 10 years. The Home Depot can help with a wide selection of the latest models from Rheem and a helpful online water heater buying guide to help make choosing the right Rheem easy. From gas to electric, tankless, even smart models that can spot a leak before it happens. Water heaters have come a long way. You don't have to. Go to homedepot.com to find the latest Rheem water heaters and helpful answers and advice from our water heater buying guide. Only from the Home Depot. How doers get more done.